At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. I have been doing a series of teaching at this particular time under the theme, Living Where Life Matters, Living Where Life Matters. And I had been in study and prayer, been in God's face, and the Lord had given me a wonderful word to teach today entitled, uh, Finding Your Best Self, Finding Your Best Self. And then on Friday, the Lord uh, got with me again in a very special way and said on this Sunday though I want you to give another special word a particular word so I'm going to hold up on what I was going to teach entitled finding your best self and today God's got another word that he wants me to give to you and the Lord told me to tell you today call the Lord call the Lord I want you to stand for the reading of the word of God uh, and I want you to look with me at the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, and verse 6. Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 6. <clears throat> that song, Joe, just served as a wonderful prelude to this word today. Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 6. The word of God reads like this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Can I read that one more time? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The implication before you take your seat is that don't take for granted that you can always get in touch with God. Because he may not always be available as he is. The time may come where you can't find him. And the time may come where you can't call him. Don't take it for granted. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. If you look at the person beside and tell them, call the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk to you today just a little while from that idea, call the Lord. In the early days of my ministry, several years ago, I recall the people of God singing a song that was not in the Baptist hymnal, and neither could I find it in the Gospel Pearl. There was a little red book called the Gospel Pearl, and I couldn't find it in the Gospel Pearl, and it was not in the Baptist hymnal. But the song that I recall the people of God singing at church earlier in my ministry, they said, Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. You just call him up and tell him what you want. And then they had several um, litanies, several lines, verses of that song. If you're sick and you want to get well, they said, tell him what you want. If you need salvation, tell him what you want. 
If you need deliverance, tell him what you want. If you need a blessing, they said tell him what you want. When it got real good to him, Joe, they would say call him up, call him up and tell him what you want. Call him up, call him up and tell him what you want. God in the book of Isaiah says, seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. This singular verse speaks to us about the priority of prayer. Richard Foster is one of my favorite writers and he has written one of the most classical and powerful books on spiritual discipline that you could ever read entitled The Celebration of Discipline. If you don't have that book, I beg of you to get it today. Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. He speaks to, he addresses all of the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. But he also wrote another book particularly about prayer and the book is entitled Prayer, The Heart's True Home. Prayer, The Heart's True Home. And Richard Foster says that God is aching. That God is, he, he is troubled by our preoccupation with other things wherein we won't talk to him. That the heart of God is broken because we fail to pray. We have spent too much time, Foster says, in the far country. And God is calling us to come home in the far country. Too much time in the far country. The place where trouble and trials and tribulation come against us. The far country where we become preoccupied with trivial things. The far country where the enemy wants to seize your mind. Where the demonic wants to distract you, to discourage you, and to defeat you. For too long, we have been in the far country. But God is beckoning us to come home. The far country is not just the place where people who are unsaved or unchurched are spending their time. But those of us who would dare say that we are Christians, that we are saved, we too have been spending too much time in the far country. And God is not calling some people, but God is calling everyone to leave the far country and come back home. I want the person this morning who is unsaved, you don't have a relationship with God, you have never given yourself to the principle of prayer because you have not believed in the reality of God. You have not believed in God, so you haven't prayed because you didn't believe God was real. But I'm telling you that God says to you that you are welcome to come to his house. And he's asking you 
to come home. I'm speaking to the person today who would say, Pastor Malone, I'm a Christian, I'm saved. And you have prayed in days past and gone, but prayer has not been a priority of your life. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because you prayed one time and you didn't get the answer that you wanted. It's not that God didn't answer your prayer, but he didn't answer it the way you wanted it answered. And so you got mad with God. You became angry with God. And you've been living in spiritual frustration. So you said, ain't no need in me praying because what difference is it going to make anyhow? Because he didn't give me what I asked for. But God told me to tell you, you're welcome in his house. And he wants you to come back home. I'm speaking to the person who is a Christian. You say you love God. And you would even say, Pastor, I pray. And I pray on a regular and consistent basis. But I'm telling you that God says you're welcome at his house and he wants you to come home. Because while you pray, God told me to tell you that you haven't arrived. And he wants you to come home because he wants to bring elevation in your life. He wants to take you to a higher level of what it means to pray and how to have a more meaningful conversation with him. In my life, the most powerful and meaningful experiences in my life both individually and in my life in terms of ministry has been when my prayer life was on point. When I was praying like I should pray, that's when I was at my best, that's when I was strong, that's when I saw my ministry most effective. But it was when I didn't pray like I should, those have been the times in my life where I failed God. There have been times when I let him down. There have been times when I disappointed God. And it was the time when my prayer life was not where it should have been. So in my life, when I pray, I've had to give myself to confession. So I've had to tell God, forgive me for not praying as I should have. It's not that I didn't pray, but I didn't pray as I should have. I had to ask the Lord to forgive me for my sins. I'm so glad he's the God of another chance. And if you, if you, if you were listening to me, you would have hollered right there. Because I didn't say he's the God of a second chance. Because I passed the second chance a long time ago. So I'm going to tell you again, I thank him that he's the God of another chance. Prior 
prior to the pandemic, I, I ask everybody in our church to join me on Saturdays for prayer for one hour. And I said, you may not can make it every Saturday, but just join me once a month from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. for prayer. Just join me one Saturday out of the month. And I had about 50 people who came regularly with a congregation of over 1,000. I had 50 people with a congregation of over 1,000. I had about 50 people who would come pray with me. And um, now God has brought us through the pandemic. We're somewhat coming on the other side of it. And I have expressed to you that we are a hybrid church. It's Canaan in the building, and it's Canaan virtually around the world. So we can never go back to what we were. We have to understand this duality that we are Canaan in Louisville in the building, and that we are Canaan around the nation virtually, and we are reaching people across the nation and the world, and for that, we bless our God. Amen. Amen. But it's important for us as church people to learn how to hear God and to operate in the vision of God. Church is more than a organizational religious institution. We are the body of Christ. We are the people of God. And the problem with many church people is they don't know what it means to be saved and they don't understand what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And so I'm saying to you this morning is that now I'm asking people to join me in prayer on Wednesday at 12 noon for noon glory. And we do that through a conference call. That way we can reach people in Louisville and we can include people virtually around the world to join us in prayer. The people who come to the noon Bible study or the 11 o'clock Bible study, when that Bible study concludes, they join me in the Jose Bradley room so we have people physically with me in prayer in the Jose Bradley room and then we have others who call in so we're able to minister to people with prayer both physically and virtually. On Saturday evening, I do the conference call prayer evening glory every Saturday at five o'clock for 15 minutes from five to 5.15. What I wanna ask you to do is I wanna ask you to start joining me, those in Louisville, those of you in the sanctuary, join me at least once a month in the sanctuary for one hour from 4 o'clock p.m. to 5 o'clock p.m. Join me in prayer in the sanctuary. And then at 5 o'clock in the sanctuary, I will do the call-in, the conference call, and we'll conclude that time of prayer with 15 minutes of prayer with you in the sanctuary and everyone that's joining me across the nation and around the world. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked the disciples, could you not watch with me for one hour? I'm not asking you that you join me every Saturday, which would not be too much. But I am asking that everyone would join me at least one Saturday out of the month from 4 o'clock p.m. to 5 o'clock p.m. for prayer. The problem with us is we look at prayer as a program. And it ain't. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. It is a way of life. 
If I invited a celebrity preacher, if I invited a celebrity psalmist and said to this celebrity preacher and this celebrity psalmist, would you come and join me in prayer on this particular Saturday for one hour? And they said, yes, Dr. Malone, we'll come. And I promoted that this celebrity preacher and this celebrity psalmist is going to come. They will fill this sanctuary 10 on a mule because a celebrity preacher and a celebrity psalmist is here. Which means the celebrity preacher, the celebrity psalmist can get you to come. You'll come for them, but you won't come for Christ. The celebrity preacher and the celebrity psalmist ain't gonna answer your prayer. The only one that's gonna answer your prayer is gonna be Jesus. I, I have laid hands on people. I have. I've laid hands on people and they were healed. I've laid hands on people and their lives were spiritually edified. I've laid hands on people and their lives were changed. But, but I didn't heal anybody. I didn't change anybody. When I lay hands on people, when I pray for people, I'm just a vessel. I'm just an instrument in God's hands. God is the one who heals. And God is the one who changes lives. If you understand that prayer is a discipline, you'll come pray because you understand you need God. And you may not think you need him, but I'm going to tell you to your face, you need God. Yeah, you need him. And, the, and, and our struggle is when everything is going well, we have the propensity to quit praying. We, we won't pray because the sun is shining. You, you, you know, <clears throat> I didn't wear the right pair of shoes today. I didn't wear the right pair because these are suede. But I picked these out last night because the weatherman said it was going to be sunny. He said it wasn't going to rain. So when I went out the door, I said, what is this? It's raining. I said, I ain't going back in and changing. On my way to church, I said to myself, that's the way life is. In your life, it can look like it's such a sunny season, a sunny time. Everything seems to be going so well, well, but without an announcement, life can flip on you and it can start raining. It's good to have enough sense. I'm going to talk to God when it's sunny in my life. I ain't going to wait until it starts raining. And then 
when we find ourselves in trouble, let me tell you what we do. We make God a last resort. We talk to everybody else for advice but God. We try everything else but God. And then when the bottom is about to fall out, then we beg God to deliver us. The issue, beloved, is not that I don't have the time to pray. The issue is that it's not a priority in my life. So I'm telling you, prayer is not a program. Prayer is a spiritual discipline. Prayer is like breathing. You have to do it. It's a non-negotiable. Somebody said, I got to have Jesus because I just can't make it by myself. And if you can learn to be disciplined in your prayer life and pray all the time, you will discover that when life gets rugged, that you don't have to panic because you've already been talking to him. So you just continue the conversation. So when I ask you to join me one Saturday out of the month for one hour from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m., I'm not asking you to do something for me. I'm asking you to do something with me. Let me say it again. I'm not asking you to do it for me. I'm asking you to do it with me. And as you do it with me, you and I are going to do it for Jesus. We're going to talk to him because he wants to speak to us. We're going to talk to him because God says, I'm, I'm beckoning you to come home. Prayer is the key that can get you in God's house. Prayer is the key that gives you the access to have holy communion with God. And if prayer is the key, then you know Jesus is the door. Because Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And the writer of Hebrews says, speaking of Jesus, that we do not have a great high priest who cannot be touched with the infirmities for which you and I struggle with, but he was tempted and tried in all ways like we are, and yet he did not fail. And so as our great high priest, he then beckons us, he, he encourages us, he calls us to come to the throne of grace. And to come not just any kind of way, but to come with confidence, to come with boldness, knowing that God will answer our prayer. He says, come to the throne of grace that you might find grace and mercy in a time of need. God says, seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Now, I'm getting ready to tell you three things that God told me to tell you today that he's going to do for you if you start praying and pray like you ought to pray. Three things. I was going to teach something else, but Friday the Lord grabbed me and said, put that on hold. I want you to tell the people I'm asking them to call me. I want them to become more committed to prayer because a church will only be as strong as she gives herself to the discipline of prayer. Canaan, we will only be as strong as we give ourselves to the discipline of prayer. In your life individually, you will only be as strong as you give yourself to the discipline of prayer. Can I tell you something? Um, 
you have a lot to say to God, right? He's got more to say to you. And what he's going to say to you is going to be far more important than what you're going to say to him. Let, let me tell you what he told me to tell you. If you call him, he told me to tell you, he's going to give you peace. I, I don't mean peace after the storm. He's going to give you peace while you in your storm. The Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom. It means to be whole. So that rather than living a fragmented life, my mind is over here. My emotions are down here. My spirit is over here somewhere. God says, I'm going to pick up the broken pieces, put you back together, and let you start living like a whole person. I'm going to give you peace. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says, He will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Our grandparents said, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Paul in the New Testament says, Pray without ceasing. Somebody said every thought directed to God is a prayer. And then God said for me to raise some questions with you about this matter of peace. In Isaiah chapter 40 beginning with verse 27, here's what God is asking you. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. God says, why do you keep acting like you can't get to me? Why do you keep acting like I ain't available? I'm 24-7, God says. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. God says, what makes you think that I get nervous when you got trouble in your life? God said, when the pandemic hit, I didn't get on no run. I was still God. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. God says, let me remind you that what you thought was going to break you is what made you. And if it didn't kill you, you're still living. Which means providentially, I can take the worst day of your life and turn it into a blessing. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, look at somebody tell him, I dare you to wait on him shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Grandmama said he may not come when you want him, but whenever he shows up, he's always right on time. Brother, sister, quit worrying and pray. Brother, sister, quit fretting and pray. Quit being fearful and pray. Quit having a panic attack and pray. Keep be, quit being anxious and pray. Quit drinking yourself to sleep and pray. Quit talking to dear Abby and everybody else and pray. Quit reading the zodiac signs and start praying. Because if you pray, God says, I'm gonna give you a peace 
that passeth all understanding. It won't be a peace when the storm is over. I'll give you peace while you're in it. I wish I had about five of y'all who could shout, I know he's the keeper. He will give you peace. Trouble don't keep you from coming to church. You come to church when you got trouble in your life. And somebody may know you're going through something and want to know why you in church and why you got your hands up and why you shouting hallelujah because you can tell them I got a feeling. Everything is going to be all right. What gave you this feeling? I talked to God and the Lord told me I'm always there for you. Even when you can't find me, I'm still there. Uh, I got to hurry. Let, let me tell you something else that he told me to tell you that he's going to give you. See, we, we the, the kind of praying I'm talking about this ain't the prayer where you're putting your coat on in the morning, running out the door, sipping some coffee. Jesus be with me today. Mm -mm. This ain't the prayer. You got your PJs on, you're climbing into bed. Father God, uh, no, that, that ain't the prayer I'm talking about. I'm talking about the prayer like Daniel. You purpose to talk to him three times a day and it's purposeful talk. It's the kind of prayer where you get still and you get quiet. You ain't in no hurry. It's the kind of prayer where you not only talk to God, but you give God time to talk to you. Because I'm going to tell you for the second time, what he's got to tell you is going to be more important than what you tell him. So I, I need, I need, I need to tell you the second thing he told me to tell you. C can I tell you? C can I tell you what he told me to tell you? Now I told you he's going to give you what? Peace. Come on, shout it. Peace. He's going to give you what? Peace. Peace. You, you, you know what else he told me to tell you he's going to give you if you let him talk to you? He told me to tell you he's going to give you power. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's, he, he's, he's going to give you power. Yeah, he, he's going to give you power. And the reason he's going to give you power is because he wants you to know that if you talk to him, he's going to increase the anointing on your life. Huh, yeah. The, what, what is the anointing, Pastor? Is it a fuzzy feeling? No. No, the, the anointing has to do with the presence of God and the power of God that is resident in the life of the child of God. The anointing is his presence, it is his power. And God can give you a double portion of the anointing. You're not listening. God can give you a double portion of the anointing. God can elevate his presence and his power in your life. God told me to tell you, if you talk to him, he's going to give you more power. Because he wants you to know he didn't save you just to get by. No. He wants me to tell you that I saved you so you can live with such supernatural power 
that not only will you be blessed, but everybody that comes in contact with you is going to be blessed as well. Reverend Rowan, there's a, there's a passage at the end of Mark's gospel that is disturbing. Most church folk don't want to read it because it won't let church people in organized religion, it won't let them operate according to the flesh. It demands that you have to operate in the spirit. Church folk don't want to read it because it cuts against the grain of organized religion if you just see the church as a social institution. Church folk don't want to read it because it's going to make you operate and walk in faith rather than by sight. Jesus has been resurrected from the grave. In Matthew's gospel, we call it the Great Commission. Well, this is Mark's version of the Great Commission, and it disturbs church people. It's in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, and you start reading with verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now here's where it bothers us. And these signs. Somebody shout signs. And these signs will follow those who believe. What's following you? What's following me? Something ought to be following me. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Oh, church folk don't want to read that because it won't let you play church. It won't, so you can't read that and keep playing church. Oh, I'm not telling you to have a snake biting service. I'm not talking about drinking some poison. The essence, the essence, the bottom line of that verse means that God says, I'm gonna give you supernatural power. And Jesus never said anything that he couldn't back up and he never said anything that he didn't mean. So if you turn to the book of Acts, when you turn to the book of Acts and you start reading around chapter three, Peter and John are on their way to the temple. There's a man laid at the gate called Beautiful and the people who laid him there laid him there that he might forever spend his life begging. They didn't lay him there to get better. They just wanted him to keep begging. But on this particular day, two disciples who have the power of the Holy Spirit running through their veins, Peter and John show up. The man asked for some money. They said, silver and gold have we none but such as we have. They said to the man, we don't have what you want, but God knows we got what you need. In the name of Jesus, took the man by the right hand and said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. That man who had been a lame man stood up and started leaping because of the power of God. You keep on reading Acts chapter 4. Peter and John are put in jail because they healed this crippled man at the gate called Beautiful. The Pharisees and the scribes got these men, Peter and John, arrested. When they put them in jail, they asked them, how did you do it? They said, in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that their captors looked at them and said, we perceive that you are unlearned men. You ain't got no PhD. You don't have a master's you don't have an undergraduate degree but we do take note that it looks like you've been with Jesus I tell you that's what ought to be the statement about your life and my life it don't matter where you live it don't matter what you drive it don't matter how many degrees you got behind your name what's most important if somebody sees you they ought to say it looks like you've been with Jesus and when they let them go, keep reading Acts chapter 4. 
When they let them go, Peter and John found the other believers. And the reason they could find them so quickly, uh, Ron, is because they knew they'd be praying. They went and found them at the prayer meeting. Acts chapter 4 tells us what they prayed. Acts chapter 4 verse 29, here's the prayer. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's what they prayed for. They didn't pray for God to exempt them from persecution. They just said, God, give us more power. And verse 31 says, so they got through praying that prayer that the Holy Spirit came in and shook the place. I declare to you people of God, that's what the church of God needs today. The church needs for God to shake us up. We need a good shaking. And then Nancy, you go over to chapter 5. And in chapter 5, this, this church that prayed this church that prayed, this church that believed in the power of prayer, we are told that through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. That's Acts chapter 5 verse 12. You get down to verse 14 and it says, and that people were saved, that believers were increasingly added to the, to the body of Christ. And then we are told that this church that prayed that was operating with this supernatural power. Listen to this. They took sick people, laid them on cots out on the street so that if Peter would just walk by and his shadow would pass over them, that they would be healed. Then it says, and that everybody started coming to Jerusalem from other parts of other cities and other towns, and everybody that came that was sick, and everybody that came that was demon-possessed, that they were healed and that they were delivered. And the reason being is because they had power. Can I talk to somebody that still believes that God is real? Oh, I want to talk to somebody that believes God is real. Oh, you ain't feeling me. I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking about, yeah, pastor, I believe he's real. I'm talking, I want to know, I want to see the people that believe that God is real. That he's real. That he still has power. That he ain't retired. That he ain't dead that he ain't stepped off the scene. Now if God is real and God is still moving in the world, why should you and I be spiritually impotent? The Bible says, for I reckon that they have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. God says, I ain't saved you to play church. I ain't saved you to go through the motion. God says, I'm real. My spirit is real. My power is available. And if you talk to me if you tap in I will give you a double anointing I will increase my presence I'll increase my power and still miracles and signs and wonders will break out in my house I'm not the only one that can pray for people. I'm not the only one that can lay hands on the sick. I'm not the only one God will use to deliver. I'm not the only one that can bring the lost to Christ. He'll do the same thing through you if you make yourself available. And you wasn't saved just to come to church and have a good spiritually emotional time on Sunday. You were saved to help change the world. Look at somebody, tell them, get the power. Get the power. 
Because God told me to tell you that the power is available. He told me to tell you, if you talk to him, he's going to give you peace and he's going to give you amazing power. Amazing power. Dr. Sharon Moore had a kidney to shut down, but she prays. And we joined in prayer with her. She texted today, says, I'm home. Doing, doing all right. That, that, that's the power of prayer. There's so much, the greatest power in the world is resident in you. And the devil is hoping you never find it out. The devil ain't disturbed by church people playing church. He comes to church. The devil comes to church. That's why, that's why one of the reasons I, I pray every week for worship is so that if a witch shows up, she'll get on her broom and get out of here. The, the, the reason I pray is so if a warlock comes in the room, that the spirit of God will be so heavy that he won't be comfortable. The devil ain't, he ain't, he ain't disturbed by people who are religious. He's disturbed by people who are committed to Christ because he knows that you know something about the power and you know how to get it. You know how to access the power. I, I've, got, I've got one more thing to tell you and what I'm about to tell you, boy, this gonna blow your mind. I got one, one more thing God told me to tell you. And this has run written on it. This, this last thing he told me to tell you, it'll put the Marvin Gaye spirit on you. Makes me want to holler and throw up both my hands. Look at somebody, tell them, say, please give me some room. Look at somebody else and say, listen, I need to give you my name. So if I go to the floor, you can talk to me when you're trying to get me back up. I want you to be able to call me by my name. Can, can I, can, can I, I'm, I'm through, but can I just tell you this last thing that he told me to tell you? That if you talk to him, right? Because I said he's got more to say to you than you have to say to him. Now I told you, if you talk to him, the first thing, what does God say he's going to give you? Peace. Peace. The second thing God says he's going to give you what? Power. It's power. But one more thing, he told me to tell you, and I'm through, that he's going to give you. God says, if you talk to him, he's going to give you a spirit of prophetic utterance. Okay, okay. Break, break it down, Pastor, like a fraction. If you talk to him, he told me to tell you, he's going to cause you to prophesy. Yeah, he, he's going he's he's to cause you to prophesy. See, see, you, you, you want everybody else to lay hands on you. God says, lay hands on yourself. 
You, you, you waiting, you waiting for the prophet. You, you, you waiting for the prophet to come and speak a prophetic word over your life. God says you ain't got to wait for the prophet to come. God says start prophesying over your own life. Oh, you think I'm making it up? You think I'm making it up? Well, in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, God says, show them this. Jeremiah 33, verse 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. God says, call me. And I'm going to show you some things, great and mighty things, which you do not know. If you talk to me, God says, I'm going to show you something that you don't have a clue to. God says, if you talk to me, I'm going to give you a preview of coming attractions. Oh, God says, I know you've been crying. I know you've had some difficult days. I know you had some dreary nights. I know the devil been coming against you as, as mightily as he can. But what I'm getting ready to show you is weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. What I'm getting ready to show you is that no weapon formed against you can prosper. What I'm getting ready to show you is I'm going to let you have a Joseph experience. Well, what is the Joseph? experience the Joseph experience is that his brothers put him in a pit and it didn't look real good when his brothers put him in a pit but he didn't stay in the pit he ended up in the palace and before he was put in a pit God gave him dreams to show him that he was going to be in a place of elevation but when God's going to put you in a place of elevation the enemy is going to try to discourage you but you need to know that delays are not denials and I may have to go in a pit but the pit is just the way I gotta go to get to the palace and if I'm in the pit I'm still gonna praise God because the Lord is with me and I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth God told me to tell somebody, you owe your way to the palace. And just cause you had to make a pit stop. Just because you had to make a pit stop don't mean you ain't gonna get to the palace. Second, first Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter two, first Corinthians chapter two. Eyes have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. God has prepared. Your healing's already prepared. Your deliverance is already prepared. Your breakthrough's already prepared. The open door is already there. God didn't have to wake up this morning and try to figure out how to bless you. It was already fixed before you got in your dilemma. Verse 10 says, but God has revealed God has revealed them to us through his spirit God reveals it to you through his spirit and when you pray God will show you in your spirit what you'll never see in your flesh Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. We have received not the Spirit of the world, 
but the spirit who is from God that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God flesh and blood won't reveal this God shows you this by his spirit I'm almost through he is showing to you in your spirit before it is manifested in your flesh but the natural man does not receive these things because they must be spiritually discerned and the way it gets spiritually discerned is that if you keep on talking to Jesus he will show you what he's about to do in your life And Paul, when he writes the second letter to Corinth, he says the promises of God. Dr. Walker, Cheryl, the Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen. When God shows you in your spirit what he's about to do, you say yes and amen. Before you see it, say yes, Lord. Start prophesying. Start speaking prophetic utterance over your own life. Tell yourself prophetically, I am the head and not the tail. Prophesy, I'm above and not beneath. Prophesy, behind every dark cloud there's a silver lining somewhere. Prophesy, God is for me. Who can be against me? Prophesy, I'm a conquering more than a conquering Christ. Prophesy, but my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Prophesy, I'm going to get that position. Prophesy, I'm graduating from college. Prophesy, I'm going to start that job. Prophesy, I will be successful. I cannot fail. God is on my side. Prophesy, my son will be delivered from drugs. Prophesy, my daughter's coming off the street. Prophesy, my marriage will be renewed. Prophesy, my family's going to get saved. Prophesy, my community's going to get turned around. Prophesy, my neighborhood's going to get <laughs> prophesy 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 I will speak in tongues prophesy I will lay hands on the sick prophesy I'll give God perfect praise prophesy God is in me prophesy I got the Holy Ghost start speaking prophetically over your life Prophesy. Put demons to flight. The Bible says one can send a thousand running. Prophesy. Grandmama said, she said, just a little talk with Jesus makes everything all right. God, church, is calling us to commit to prayer. He's calling us, church. He's calling us. He's calling us to a deeper level 
of prayer. We will only be as strong as we pray. As a church, individually, we'll only be as strong as we pray. God says, I'm asking you to come home. Come from the far country, come home. He says, if you talk to me, he said, Walter, tell them, I will give them peace. I will give them power. And I will cause them to prophesy. I will give them the spirit where a prophetic utterance will be spoken by themselves over their lives and over the lives of others. The people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.